Uh, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. We got a bunch of Bibles in the back. If you forgot one, want to make sure you get a copy of God's Word to follow along. Welcome, sixth graders. We're glad to have you here in middle school. Officially, day zero, we are, we are pumped. Um, we'll talk a little bit more on Wednesday about middle school and how to do that and how to figure it out, some tips and some tricks and all that. But for this morning, I wanted to get us into God's Word and talk about what's true. Our ministry exists to make sure that we can help you understand what's true. We're here to come alongside you, to point you to the truth about yourself, about God, about his word. We care very much, and that's why we're here Sunday after Sunday and Wednesday after Wednesday to make sure that you know the truth. If you have a question about God or about the Bible, about your soul, not only myself, Not only is Dr. Scott, the other elder here in middle school, but all these leaders are here to make sure that you know the truth. So let me ask you, how do you know who you can trust? How do you know who you can't? How do you know what's true and what isn't? It's not really always easy to know. And more and more today, there's so much conflicting advice and conflicting opinions and conflicting truths Two people saying opposite things, both claiming that their thing is like the right way. And you can get conflicting advice on just about anything today. What to eat, like always eat eggs, somebody will say, and some other doctor will be like, never eat eggs. It's just like, what? which is it? What do I do? Um, I don't know. They're just conflicting advice on what to watch. You should check this movie out. It's so good and funny. Two seconds later, another friend is like, worst movie ever, never see it. What games to play, what clothes to wear, on and on and on it goes. How do you know what's true? How do you know what you can trust? Who do we listen to? Of course, we need help for not just getting in shape or having the right look, but we need to know who to trust for so many things in life. Sometimes it is easy for us to know that someone is trustworthy. Some people just naturally look trustworthy. You're like, that person, for sure, I can trust. But not everybody actually is. Some people look it and they give the appearance of trustworthiness, but they really aren't. Let's just get on the same page. For example, let let me give you a few, I don't know, characters who represented some surprisingly untrustworthiness. Let's start here. You didn't, and by the way, don't act like you knew the whole time that these people were like bad guys. Dawn Bellwether, you know it, Zootopia, cute, cuddly, soft, evil. You're right. So surprising at the end when she started shooting everybody with that weird plant thing. Uh, this next one, Prince Hans from Frozen. Hey, say what you will, tough to see it coming. Tough to see it coming for sure. There is, maybe not as well known, but Sir Miles Axelrod, he's the next one. Let's get him up there from Cars 2. Leaking oil. There were signs, there were signs, but you missed them. Uh, Rex Danger Vest from the Lego Movie 2, the second part. You didn't know. Maybe a blast from the past. 
this next one from Monsters, Inc., Mr. Waternoose. Okay, listen, I get it. He has five eyes and he looks weird. They were all monsters and he gave off a grandpa vibe. Like, you can trust him. But he was desperate to save his company and he proved that he was not a good guy. I think arguably one of the toughest villains to spot and really maybe one of my favorites is this last one. And I hope we lost. Oh, no, here it is. Man King Candy. Mm. Small stature, non-threatening voice. You don't see it coming. You don't see it coming. You love him until you didn't. Uh, it's, life can be like this sometimes. Life can be like that. It's not always easy for us to tell who to avoid or who we can trust. So let me ask you again, how do you know who to trust How do you know who you can always listen to? How can you know who to believe? How do you know what's true? You have to make decisions about all that stuff, what to believe. You need to be discerning and not just about physical things, not just about what you're learning in school or what news to believe or that, but also about spiritual things. You need to be discerning. You need to be able to know what's true. You need to be able to have good judgment about things which pertain to spiritual matters, to God and to your life and to your relationship with him. And a passage I want to look at this morning really quick from 1 John chapter 4. So take that Bible and open to 1 John 4. This passage here actually will help us with this very thing. Here in exchange, the 7th and 8th graders already know this, but I love to give a big idea for every message that we do. And our big idea for this morning, before we read our text, is this. encourage you to jot it down. God wants you to know how to tell what's true, especially about Him. God wants you to know what's true, how to tell what's true, especially about Him. Let's read it real quick. First John chapter four, we'll start in verse one. Beloved, so we're talking about believers. John writes, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know, the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. That's the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. Why don't we stop there? We'll, we'll stop at verse 5. So these verses here in 1 John, they call, again, Christians, we're talking about believers, they call them to be discerning. I said that already, a big word. Uh, I want you to know it just means to have good judgment, discerning. You are supposed to be able to tell what is true. And John wants these believers here to know how to do that, especially about things of God. And he tells them to test the spirits. That can sound a little bit weird, right? A little bit confusing. So so what is that? Well, John doesn't want these believers to be so gullible. He doesn't want them to just go along with whatever anybody says about God or about the gospel. He doesn't want them to just be like, oh, okay, I'll believe that. Sure. 
He wants them to recognize that not every so-called spiritual truth is real or true or valid. That the, that the, the spirit behind those things needs to be tested. That's what he's saying here. And he wrote this entire letter to these believers for several reasons, but one of them was to help them know how to battle all the false messages that they were hearing about God. There was a a big presence of that. So many so-called teachers were saying different stuff than what John had taught them. They were saying that Jesus wasn't actually who he claimed to be, to make it worse that they were actually claiming as, as teachers that they were like super duper spiritual teachers, that they had a special message from God that nobody else had, and that if you didn't listen to them, you were going to be on the outs. You weren't going to understand. You weren't going to have the real gospel. You were going to be in trouble. You were going to be lost when it came to the truth about God. And that was such a dangerous message. They were proclaiming that, that that was... Their message was from God himself, but only they knew it. So John says, let me help. You need to test what they are teaching. You need to test those spirits. Here's how you can know what's true. Here's how you can be spiritually discerning. Here's how you can know what's true. God wants you to know who to listen to. And this part of John's letter can be so helpful even for us today as we have so many things that potentially can be confusing about God, things that we can read in a book or find on the internet or somebody talking on YouTube or maybe some pastor or preacher preaching something that we're not quite sure about. There's so many messages in our world today. How do we know what's true? I'll give you four questions to ask yourself so that you can know what's true, especially about God. When it comes to all those things that we're hearing We need to know how to know what's true. So how do you do that? How do you decide if something you read or hear is true about God? Question number one is this, is it in the Bible? That's a great first question to whatever you hear. Is it in the Bible? Right from verse one, John warns us about what we hear either being from God or from the world. False teachers with their false message, such a real danger, but it's not from God. You can find this same warning all over the New Testament. Peter says it in 2 Peter chapter 2. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 11. Jesus warns about it in Matthew 7. John and Peter and Paul, especially Jesus, warning us of a false message. What are we supposed to gain from that? We're to know that this is a real threat. A false message to God's word actually existed and it still does today. There is a message that runs contrary to the truth about God and about the gospel. There are people that want to deceive you about the truth. They want to confuse you about God. And we shouldn't be surprised at that. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse four tells us that's the devil's whole purpose in life is to keep people blind to the glory of the gospel. That's what it says his purpose is, to keep unbelievers blind to the truth 
of the gospel, and he uses a false message to keep you blind. He doesn't want you to know the truth about Jesus and that Jesus actually did die for your sin. He doesn't want you to know that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Today's false message is about works. So often it's about doing something. It sounds right. It sounds good. It sounds godly. It sounds like it'd be something we would read in the Bible. But it has too much you in it and not enough Jesus. That message that you find about works is not in the Bible. We cannot earn salvation. We cannot buy salvation. We can never do enough. We need Christ entirely. So first question to ask yourself when you aren't sure if what you're reading or hearing is true, you need to ask, is it in the Bible? Great way to detect false teaching. We can only trust God's word. We can only trust the Bible. Maybe think about some other places in scripture that we learn. Numbers 23, 19 there, we learn that God isn't like us at all. God doesn't lie. He has no need to lie. God is the author of this book. 2 Timothy three sixteen, a verse that if you are unfamiliar with, I promise you'll become much more familiar with here in exchange. It's a verse we talk about all the time. How can we know that this book is trustworthy? Because it tells us not some of it, not the majority of it, but all of this book is breathed out by God. It's all from God, which means we know it's different. It's not from some man who is sinful, man who is capable of lying. No, no, the author here is from God who doesn't lie. And so we know what's being said about him and about you and about God's purposes for your life are true. And because of that, we know we need to trust it and reminds us why we need to have this book as a part of our daily life. We need to be reading it and trying to understand what it says and and learning it a little bit at a time, always thinking about the Bible. Great first question, is it in the Bible? That's how we know it's true. Number two, question to ask yourself about this thing I'm hearing about God. How do I know if it's true? Second question, does it exalt Jesus? Another way to think about that is to maybe jot down, does it make more of man than Jesus? Is Jesus the focus or is it man? Verse 2 and 3. John writes, you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, that's from God. And the spirit that does not confess that is not from God. So John gives these believers such a helpful standard to know what's true. What does it say about Jesus? Because it has to match what the Bible says about Jesus. And if it doesn't, we know that that's not true. We know that it's a lie that not only doesn't make much of Christ, but actually belittles him. God wants you to know that. He wants you to know that his son did come to die for you and that if you believe in him, you will have eternal life. It has nothing to do with you. That's a a gracious gift. God teaches us in his word so much about his son, so many amazing truths that we need to make sure match with whatever this thing is that we're believing or hearing. God's word exalts Jesus, the son, the one who did die on the cross 
out of obedience to his father's plan. It exalts Jesus. It makes uh, so much of him as the one who is the way and the truth and the life, the one who is the only way to the Father, the one who does save us by grace, the one who does offer that gift not to be earned, but humbly received, the one who will come back one day to rule and reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. That's the message that exalts Christ. And if whatever you're testing or not sure about, if it runs contrary to that, I promise you it's not true. That is not true. I want you to know the truth because God wants you to know the truth about him. If you're questioning something that doesn't exalt Christ, get away from it. Question number three, how do you know if something about God's actually true? Does it cause me to live God's way or my own way? Does it cause me to live in the way God wants me to live or does it make much of me from Verse four, little children, you're from God and have overcome them for he who's in you is greater than he who's in the world. The Bible teaches us in first Corinthians six, that if we are a believer, if you're a Christian, uh, then you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And John reminds us here in first John that the Holy Spirit is greater than the one who's in the world, greater than the devil who's trying to confuse you and keep you blind or to make you doubt your salvation. And so we know that if we're saved, we have the spirit and that's a great asset for us to know the truth and help us to live the truth. We aren't just to be collectors of knowledge. We aren't just to know a lot about God, but we're actually to be doers. James 1.22 says that. You're to be a doer of God's word. Maybe a helpful way to think about that. In a different letter, Paul talks about walking by the spirit or living by that spirit that's inside of you. And he gives us the fruit of the spirit. There's nine of them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And so as a young believer, you might say, well, how do I know if something's causing me to live the way I'm supposed to, to live in a way that's God honoring or not? Well, ask yourself, does that teaching make you more loving and joyful and peaceful, patient or kind or good, faithful or gentle or or self-controlled? If it does, then it's probably true. But if it's the opposite, And you know it's probably not. If it's causing you to give in to a sinful desire of the flesh, to be a little more proud about something, to minimize sin, or maybe even excuse the way that you want to live, I can can embrace sin a little bit more. That's not true. That's not going to be something that God wants for you. Question number four is helpful right from verse five as we think about this last question John says, they are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. John says, they have a certain worldview. It's a worldly worldview. Don't be surprised when false teachers, when their message is so popular. That's our last question. Does it seem true only because it's so popular? Does it seem like I'm supposed to believe this thing because everybody's talking about it? It's the, it's the rage. It's in all the books. Everybody's whispering about it. Everybody's promoting it. Everybody seems to believe it. And you might be thinking, I don't even know if I'd give this thing a second look, except everywhere I go, people are talking about this thing. 
What's popular is not always right, and what's right's not always popular. Just because it's being devoured by everyone you know doesn't mean you should just accept it. Test this teaching. Test the spirits. That's exactly what John wants to get across here. If you're a believer, these are really helpful questions. And I know that's fast, but that's going to be a practice that I want to encourage you to engage in during your time here in exchange. Um, Whether you're an eighth grader with only a few months left or an incoming sixth grader with years in front of you, I want you to test everything you hear, no matter where it's from, no matter even if it's from this pulpit. I don't care what I'm saying. I want you to test what's here. Test what is being taught from the word of God. Is it in the Bible? Does it exalt Jesus? Does it cause me to live my way or God's way? Is it something that is just popular. Those are great questions to ask yourself. If you're not a Christian this morning, I want to kind of help you think about using these questions to think about your life, to think about your relationship with Jesus. Are you more interested in living life to your benefit? Think about that. Do you live your way most of the time? Is your view of life based on your view of things? Do you I don't know, love to follow along with what's popular? Do you even care about knowing what's true about God? And here's why that matters. If those seem to be true descriptions of you, then God who created you wants you to know you have so wholeheartedly embraced a lie, so deceived by something that this world is trying to convince you is true and it's not. You're deceived and you're, you're following along with this lie and God and his mercy and kindness and grace wants you to know the truth about him and the truth about you. God wants you to know the truth about his son and the gospel and why you so badly need to be saved. Without that truth, let me just say it one more time, you are embracing a lie. You are basing your whole life and your eternal life to come on something that is not true. And God, again, wants us to be able to tell what's true, especially about him. This is the truth. This is how to know. This is how to know what's true. Again, it has nothing to do with Pastor Jay, but it has everything to do with God's word, and it is truth. Father, thank you for your word this morning, your word that is trustworthy, your word that is truth because it's from you. I pray that you would help us to know that we can always trust you, that without you we are lost, we are believing a lie, and we're blind to the most important truth concerning your glorious gospel. So excited to see this ministry grow and to to welcome in these sixth graders. Father, but most importantly, I pray you'd help us to remember the importance of knowing how to know what's true when it comes to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.